0: Thank you very much. Let's take God's Word together this evening and turn once again to the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians, if you would please. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians 3. We'll pick up where we left off last. We've been considering a few of the troubles and difficulties that the Corinthian church faced and many of the same troubles and difficulty that the 21st century church is facing. You may remember that the Corinthian church was quite a quite a challenging church for a number of reasons. It was filled with uh, Gentile believers who have, were rescued out of a life of sin as opposed to a, a church like the Galatian church, which had a lot of Jewish influence. The difference between the Jew and the Gentile on that day was that the Jew had been raised with some previous knowledge of God. And so someone who had been converted from Judaism to Christianity knew something of God. Can you turn me up there a bit, please, Andy? They, they knew it had a foundation or a base, at least, whereas a Gentile, when you read the book of Corinthians, you can tell immediately they had no previous knowledge to the God of the Bible. And they were rescued from a life of sin and a life, really, a very troubled life. And you see that because a lot of the problems that are being dealt with in the Corinthian church were those kinds of problems, uh, those problems, perhaps baggage that was left over from a sinful life. And uh, many of us can relate uh, to such a story or testimony. We come now to chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. Look at it with me, please. And we'll read together the first nine verses. And uh, we've been looking. If you remember, we we considered the question, is Christ divided? And that was one of the problems in the Corinthian church. And then we talked about the problem of thinking that, the, hu- the wisdom of, of the world, human wisdom, uh, was equivalent with the wisdom of God, which is totally not. And this week we find our next problem. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, as we open the word tonight, we ask that thy spirit would open our hearts and minds. That what we're about to look at, we pray that thy Holy Spirit may take it and apply it to our own lives. So that we may learn and not just learn intellectually, but learn something that may strike a chord in the depths of our souls. We pray, Lord, that tonight this church, this congregation would be brought from a state of carnality to spirituality. Help us, we pray. Make us more and more like thy son, the Lord Jesus. Use thy word to speak to our hearts and to change us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't know If because the speakers are forward, if that's why I can't hear myself, but I'm having a hard time hearing myself, is that because it's quiet or because the speakers, can you hear me okay back there? Yes. Okay. So it's just my fault maybe. Okay. One Corinthians chapter three. Now we come to the next problem, as I mentioned a moment ago, that Paul was dealing with. That's a whole lot better. And... um, in the Corinthian church, and this problem is actually the root of many other problems. The problem that we deal with tonight is actually the root of many other problems, and it is such a common problem today in the 21st century church. Look what he says. In verse number one, brethren, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. Verse three, for ye are yet or still carnal. At the end of verse three, are ye not carnal and walk as men? And at the end of verse four, are ye not carnal? The problem we're dealing with tonight is the problem of carnality. Now. This problem requires a bit of an explanation, especially if you are new to the Christian faith and you're not used to hearing this word. But the word carnal literally means fleshly. It means you are governed by human nature rather than the spirit of God. So when you look at someone or when God looks at someone and his word declares them to be carnal, what God is saying is instead of being spiritually minded, you are naturally minded. Instead of being supernaturally minded, meaning spiritually minded, you are just naturally minded. You're governed by the passions of the flesh. That's what it means. Now, I wonder, before we go any further, is that you? Are you a carnal Christian? Now, there are some people who argue and say that there's no such thing as a carnal Christian, but Paul is clearly writing to the church the Corinthian church, and in verse number 1, and I, brethren, he's talking to brothers and sisters in Christ, I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as babes in Christ. So he's speaking to brethren in Christ. There's no doubt about it. So anyone who says there's no such thing as a carnal Christian have either are either willingly ignorant or just haven't read this. Because this is very clearly speaking to believers, brethren in Christ. No doubt about it. Now, that just tells us immediately, if you remember at the end of chapter 2, he's talking about being spiritual. And the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit. But that tells me this. Here's what Paul is saying. There are two options for the Christian tonight. Look here. Two options. You can either be spiritual or carnal. There's nothing else. There's nothing in between. There's no third option. You are either spiritual or carnal. That's it. So you might think, well, I'm not really that spiritual. Okay? There's only one other option. But maybe you don't like to think of yourself as carnal. You know, I'm not like the world, and I'm not fleshly-minded, and I'm not. well, Well, let's look together. Now, this text, what is what does it mean to be carnal? Four times in this text, Paul uses that word. And now this tells me that these people, think about this, these people just didn't see it. These people didn't see themselves as being carnal. Are you listening? The average person who is carnal does not think that they're carnal. Did you catch that? The average person who is carnal really doesn't think of themselves as being carnal. That's why Paul has to say to them twice, Are ye not carnal? Can't you see it? You are carnal. So Paul writes this to people who don't think that they are so that he can reveal to them and show them that they are, not because he wants to point the finger, because he wants to bring them from carnality to spirituality. And can I just say this? Look here. You will never be a spiritual person until you're willing to admit you're a carnal person. Does that make sense? You're never going to make it to spiritual man or woman unless you first say, I'm not spiritual and I need to be. Because you're going to keep lying to yourself that you think that you're spiritual or you, you are lying to yourself that you are. And so therefore you continue on in your state of carnality. Because you think you're already where you need to be. Now this is precisely what the word of God does. It reveals the problem and gives us a remedy. So let's look. What does it mean? What are the signs or the marks of a carnal Christian? Look at verse number one. And I brethren could not speak unto you as unto spiritual but as unto carnal even as unto babes in Christ. Here's your first mark of a carnal believer. You're a baby, still a spiritual baby. Andrew Murray wrote about this and he he called it this, a condition of protracted infancy. You've been a baby too long. Now, there's nothing wrong with a baby being a baby. We have a baby in arms at the back, six months old. There's absolutely nothing wrong with him being a baby. But... If Harper still acted like that or Paxson still acted like a baby, there'd be something wrong. A baby is fed with milk, we're told, not with meat, meaning they can't handle anything more than meat. Now, that's fine for a six-month-old baby, but it's not fine for a three-year-old like Paxson. A baby is small. So when Paul says... You're a baby saying you're not growing. And if my three-year-old was still the size of a six-month-old, we'd say, there's something wrong. Something's not quite right. We would acknowledge that. Think about a baby. A baby can't even help himself. Samson has to be fed by somebody else besides himself. He cannot feed himself. He cannot change himself. He cannot clean up his own mess. He cannot find rest by himself. He needs his mother to put him to sleep. A sign of a carnal believer is that you can't help yourself. You're always having to go to somebody else. Now, by the way, that's fine if you've just been converted. If you're a babe, truly a babe in Christ, that's fine. There's a season when you need somebody to help you. You need somebody to feed you. You need somebody to answer your questions. You need somebody to comfort you because you can't find any rest for your soul. But there must come a time as a believer that you begin to mature out of the state of infancy. But if you still, the only time you ever get fed is if you turn on YouTube or you come to a meeting like this, there's something wrong if you can't feed yourself from the word of God. Something wrong if you can't get yourself out of your own messes, if you can't, if you can't clean up your own messes spiritually, that you need somebody else to come in and sort out all your problems, there's something wrong. Something wrong if you can't find rest and peace and for your own soul that you've got to go. Every time something's, everything's a trouble, you've got to go to somebody else and they've got to help comfort you. Does that make sense? You're still a baby. A babe in Christ. Always needing help. Look at Hebrews chapter 5. I've referred to this passage before in recent weeks and months. But in Hebrews chapter 5, the author of Hebrews is saying the same thing. He's speaking of the Lord Jesus and he says in verse 11, Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing that ye are dull of hearing. Are you dull of hearing tonight? Seth has got a little problem with his ears at the moment. Dull of hearing means you don't hear properly. And the author is saying, Look, I've got some things I want to tell you, but you can't hear it. For, verse 12 of Hebrews 5: For when the time that ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, mature. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Meaning you've been saved long enough, the author of Hebrews is saying, you've been saved long enough, you should be teaching, but actually you need to be taught all over again. Because you're a babe is that you tonight? Not only can a baby not help themselves, but a baby can't help anybody else. Samson is not going to get up and make breakfast for Harper and Paxson and the other children in the morning. That'd be quite humorous if he did, but it's not going to happen. He can't help anybody else. He can't even help himself. And because he can't help himself, he can't help somebody else. Is that you tonight? Are you so dependent upon other people spiritually that you're unable to help somebody else? That's the first sign in our text that we find about, about being a carnal believer. Now look at the second sign in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The second sign is not just being a babe. That's the first sign of being a carnal believer. But the second sign of being a carnal believer is found in verse number 3. Verse number two, he says, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto, meaning up unto this point you weren't able to bear it. Neither yet are ye now able to bear it. But in verse number three, for ye are yet carnal, you're still carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as other men or as men? Here's a second sign of a carnal believer. You walk as men or literally you walk like other people you walk like the world the second sign that you are not spiritual but you're carnal is you live like every other unconverted human being you live like everybody else you live like those who are not saved You talk like those who aren't saved, you act like those who aren't saved, you go to places that unsaved people go to, you do what unsaved people do, you're just like them. You act like them. And if you want to do something, you do it. If it feels good, you do it. Not because God led you or because the Spirit of God is leading you, but because you want to do it. Because your flesh wants to do it. And your thought process for discerning your behavior sounds a lot like this. Well, what's wrong with doing that? Instead of, what does God want me to do? In fact, you you really never think that. You never really ask, what does God want me to do? What, how is the spirit of God leading? You never really even think about that because you're just thinking about what you want to do and where you want to go. You walk as other men walk. And instead of asking, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? You say, flesh, belly, what do you want me to do? You're carnal. Now look at the description we're given in verse number 3. For whereas, meaning here's the evidence that you're carnal. Whereas there is among you envying, strife, and divisions. The word envying means a fierceness of indignation. Like a hot temper. Punitive zeal, meaning you want to punish someone. You get so upset and so angry you want to hurt someone. You want to ruin someone. Contentious rivalry. Jealousy. You get Even in spiritual things or in Christian things, you get jealous about uh, this person. How come he gets to do that? Or how come she gets to do this? Jealousy. It's a sign of carnality. Strife is contention, quarrelsome, or wrangling, which has to do with debating. It's carnality. Envying, strife, divisions. You know what divisions are? The Lord Jesus unites the enemy and the flesh divides. That kind of a contentious spirit, that strife, that division, that discord. The Bible tells in the book of Proverbs that there's six things that the Lord doth hate, yea, seven that are an abomination unto the Lord. And one of, the last one in on the list is he that soweth discord amongst the brethren. Now hear, about, hear that. listen carefully. That's an abomination in the eyes of God when someone sows discord amongst the brethren. Think about that. The next time you you get to thinking about sharing, whispering some secrets and gossip and slander, that's an abomination in the eyes of God. It's a sign of carnality. Go to Galatians chapter 5, and you'll find a list here of what the old man, or it should have been the old man anyways, what the old man looks like. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh or carnality. But by love serve one another. For all the law was fulfilled in one word. Even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the spirit And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh flesh are manifest. Here's what they are. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And then we're given the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the flesh is what we've just read. Then, of course, you know the famous verses, verse 22 and 23, that are the fruit of the Spirit. But if you are a carnal believer, then you will bear the resemblance, you'll bear the fruit of the flesh, rather than the fruit of the Spirit. Paul says the same thing in Colossians chapter 3. Let me read a few verses for you. Colossians chapter 3. Verse number five, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these. You see, there's a command to put off the flesh. Anger. Now, look here. If you get angry at the slightest thing and you pitch a little temper tantrum every time you don't get what you want, that's a sign of carnality. If you get upset and angry every time you don't get your own way, you're like a child. And that is a sign of carnality. Put it off. Take it off like you take a jacket off. Put it off. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communications. Put it out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you put off the old man with his deeds. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Now, let me just say this in passing we'll visit this God willing next week but the journey from the carnal state to the spiritual state is as simple as putting off the old man and putting on the new there are some who would like to complicate it and try to say that to be spiritual takes a long time to be spiritual might take a long time to be mature but it doesn't take a long time to be spiritual takes a second, takes a moment of putting off the old and putting on the new. We'll look at that in a moment. Now let me just say this in conjunction with these these two little marks. There's one more. But these two marks of being carnal, you're a babe and you walk like the world. Sometimes people think this. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Sometimes people think if somebody is gifted that they're spiritual. Or sometimes people think if they know a lot. Like if they, if they know the Bible, they must be spiritual. Maybe I've thought that before of you. I've met people who've studied the Bible for years and years and years. They have such a knowledge. They can quote it. They know, it, know the Bible inside and out. And they think, and other people think, that because they know so much that they're spiritual. That is a big misconception. Huge misconception. Because this church... Look what Paul says about this church in chapter 1 and verse number 4. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and all knowledge. Paul is saying, I thank God for you because you have been enriched in so many ways. You've been enriched with all utterance, the ability to speak, and all knowledge. You know a lot. Now he's writing to a church. Who knows an awful lot about God and about the word of God. And they know how to talk. They're good talkers. And he goes on. Verse 6. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you so that ye come behind in no gift. And most commentators would agree what Paul is saying is that actually they were very gifted. They were excelling in the gifts. More than anybody else. They were excelling in knowledge and in utterance in the gifts but yet they were carnal. Now we know that they were gifted because he had to write chapter 12 and 13 about how to use the gifts properly. They were gifted, but they were misusing the gifts. This is where you read about the the proper use of tongues in a congregational setting. This is where you read about the proper, proper use of prophesying in a congregational setting. Because here were people who were gifted, greatly gifted, with these gifts, but they were misusing them and abusing them because they were carnal. Gifting does not equal spirituality. You can be the smoothest talker, best preacher in the world, and be as carnal as possible. You can be the most educated and intelligent person in the world and know the Bible inside and out and have memorized a lot of it and be such a good talker at explaining it, but be as carnal as any other human being in the world because a gift does not equate spirituality. And this is where so many people get led astray in today's world because they find somebody who's a good talker or they find somebody who looks like apparently they know a lot. So they must be spiritual. Wrong. Wrong. Knowledge is not spirituality. Gifting is not spirituality. This whole book was written to correct some of the abuses of carnal believers with some of the gifts. So be careful. Now there's one more sign of carnality in our text. Your babe So you can't help yourself. You can't help anybody else. You walk like other men. There's there's envying. There's strife. And and Murray would say this, that you can't get victory over a sin. That you struggle with the same sin over and over and over. That's a sign of carnality. You're never able to get victory over your temper, or you're never able to get victory over your lust, or you're never able to get victory over whatever your particular sin is. You keep falling over and over and over. That's a sign of carnality. It doesn't mean you're lost. That's what sometimes people say, oh, I must not be saved. I can't get victory. No, it means you're carnal. Now, the third mark of a carnal man, according to our text, is found in verse number one. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. When you're carnal, you're not able to receive spiritual truth. Now, look here. Have you ever been in a meeting before? Listen. And at the end of the meeting, people were saying, that was unbelievable. God spoke to me. That's what I needed to hear. And you're like, I didn't get anything out of that. That's because you're carnal. You can't receive spiritual truth when you're carnal. You can come in week after week and sit beneath the preaching of God's word and it never make a difference to you. In fact, you walk right out of the tent and never remember what was preached. It doesn't, it maybe, maybe it goes in one ear but it goes out the other ear. It never changes you because you're carnal. You cannot. You cannot, not that you don't want to, but you cannot receive spiritual truth when you're carnal. That's what he says. He said in verse 14 of chapter 2, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. When you're carnal, you cannot receive these truths from God's Word. And therefore you're stuck. Because you can't receive spiritual truth, you're stuck and you don't grow. So you're a babe. And you don't get victory over your sins. You keep... Falling over the same thing over and over again because you're carnal. Now, I'll say this again, and we'll talk about this next time we meet. The, the step from carnality to spirituality is very simple. It's understanding that there is a spiritual life to live. Do you know most, most people, most believers who struggle like this, live like this, think that they're always going to live like this and things are never going to be any different. Most people who live in a state of carnality think that it's always going to be like this. They're never going to get victory over their sin. They're, they're, they're doomed to live like this to the day they die. That's unbelief. And unbelief is a big killer to spirituality. You think you're going to be like this to the day you die. And you don't believe that you're ever going to change. But you can be spiritual. That comes from the spirit of God. And he lives inside of you. Do you know you're commanded? Be ye filled. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit of God. It's a command. And if it's a command, then you can obey it. You can be spiritual. In fact, we're given a whole entire chapters written about how to walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh. Because God wants you to walk spiritually and to be spiritually minded because you can be. So if you go through life thinking it's always going to be like this, I mean, this Christian thing, boy, it's rough, it's tough, and it is challenging. <sighs> well, you know, the worst part about it now is nothing's really changed. I still fall and fail and do the same things, but now it feels bad. It really feels bad. Well, you don't have to keep falling. You can have victory. When you go from carnality to spirituality. When you walk the way God intended you to walk, not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So let me give you just a little brief, little taster before we go. Go to, go to Romans chapter 8. If I think of one chapter that comes to my mind when I think about what it is to be spiritual, it's Romans 8. Romans 7 Paul gives that famous chapter about how the things I want to do I can't do and the things I don't want to do I keep doing you ever felt like that and he cries out at the end of the chapter "O oh, wretched man that I am who can ever deliver me from such this such a body of death and he answers his own question I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so then with a mind, I myself, this is chapter 7, the last verse, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And then chapter 8, first verse, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, do you know most people quote that verse without the second half of the verse? Most people say there's now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation because we're saved. But look at the second half. Yes, to them which are in Christ Jesus, but also who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. If you're walking after the flesh, there is condemnation. It doesn't come from God, but it comes from yourself. It comes from yourself. You're not condemned by God because your sin has been judged in Jesus already. But if you're walking in the flesh, do you know your own biggest judge is you? And if you're a born again child of God and the spirit of God lives inside of you and you know what's right from wrong and you keep doing wrong, you're going to condemn yourself because you're walking after the flesh and you live in a constant state of state of self-condemnation. Because you keep falling and failing over and over again. Because you're walking after the flesh. You see that? And then we read in this entire chapter, the key, in fact, let me challenge you. Read it and study it this week. The key to walking after the spirit, not after the flesh. You want to be done with being so critical? Do you know some people who, are, who every time they open their mouth they are just being nasty about somebody? You wanna, that's, that's a vice. That's not, that's not a virtue. Sometimes I just speak my mind. Oh, thank you. Your mind is corrupt. They think they're, they're proud of that. I'll just tell it like it is. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So you want to change that? Then you're going to have to go from carnal to spiritual. You want to get rid of that anger, that temper that you keep exploding You know, I don't know, there have been times, uh, somebody told me a long time ago, most of us inherit the worst character traits from both our father and our mother. That was a very depressing day when I heard that. My mother's got a hot temper, if she's watching, she'll be able to verify this. She's got a hot head, and growing up, I had the worst temper in the world. That's where Titus gets it from. And I had a bad temper, and even to this day, if I'm not careful, I'll have to apologize 12 times in a day. You ever been like that? Because you said things you shouldn't have said. I've had to apologize to my children before because I've lashed out at them. And and uh, I've had to go and eat some humble pie and say, I t- t- I shouldn't, have, Titus, I shouldn't have spoke to you like that. Well, instead of apologizing 47 times in a day, why not get victory over that? And you can. You can. By being spiritual, rather... Than carnal. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. That verse right there ought to send a tingle up and down your spine. Verse 2 of Romans 8. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. You know what that law is? Here's what that law means. When you were born again, God's spirit, the spirit of life moved inside of you. And hath made you free. From the law of sin and death. So you don't have to live like you used to live before. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin condemns sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Now that's twice we're told to walk a certain way or after a certain person you've got a choice right now you can choose to either walk after the desires of your flesh or to walk after the spirit that's as simple as it is it's very simple it's saying no to your flesh and yes to the spirit of God very simple walk And then it says, they, verse number five, they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So now we're told not just walk, but now we're told thought, walking and thinking. Instead of walking after what you want to do, you walk after what God wants you to do. Instead of thinking after what you want to think in the things of this world, set your affections on things above, we're told. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Do you feel like you're dead sometimes, spiritually dead? It's because you're walking after the flesh, minding the things of the flesh. Do you feel like you need more peace? It's because your thoughts are not on the things of God's spirit, but they're on the things of the flesh. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh. Now, verse number nine to me is a key verse. I mean, I don't even, I should stop myself here, but I'm going to go anyways. Verse number nine is a key verse. Because the Christian life is more than just thinking properly and acting properly. It's understanding who you are. And he tells us in verse nine, ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So what he's saying is, You are no longer in the flesh, so stop following the flesh. And stop acting like the flesh because you're not there anymore. If you've been born again, you are actually in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. But if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, and the spirit is life because of righteousness. And we read on, and we can spend an hour on this chapter. But being led by the Spirit of God. Because God God doesn't just tell us what's wrong. He tells us how to make it right and how to walk properly. And we've already, the mirror of God's Word has shown us what it looks like to be carnal. And now he tells us how to be spiritual. And it's, it's by walking properly, thinking properly, and being led. I love this passage of Scripture. Being led, if ye live after the flesh, verse 13, you shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. All of this is done by the Spirit of the living God. That means you've got to talk to Him. Sorry, that may creep some of you out. But the Spirit of God is God. I think we still believe that doctrine of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. And you've got to talk to Him surrender your life to him you give yourself to him and you ask him to lead you talk to him he's a person talk to him like you talk to somebody in your own home or in a relationship Uh, spirit of God please guide me help me crucify the flesh today I give my life to you now lead me spirit please when's the last time you talked to the spirit of God He is God. So many of these, we want to be led by God's spirit, but we don't want to talk to him. What's wrong with you? God, would you please help me to be led by the spirit? Talk to him. I've never been led by anybody that didn't talk to. Maybe you have, but if you want to be led by God's spirit, you need a relationship with him. Talk to him. And these are things we've only just scratch the tip of the iceberg, God willing. Next, we'll talk about living the spiritual life. And it may take some time. It'll probably take some time. No, it will. But there is a different life than the carnal life that we need to live. By the way, if you try to do the work of God in the flesh, it is a powerless work. You can teach a million Sunday school classes and the children be bored out of their minds and nothing spiritual ever happen. You can preach a million sermons And people be bored out of their mind, or maybe they be entertained, but nothing spiritual on the spiritual realm ever happens. You can tell a million people about Jesus Christ, but unless you're walking after the spirit, not after the flesh, it'll accomplish nothing. The reason why so much of Christianity today is dead and fruitless is because it's the work of carnality rather than spirituality. We got to make that transition. Got to learn to walk after the spirit, not after the flesh. So tonight, if looking at this, you've, you've been, it's, God's spirit has shown you that you are carnal well don't don't be depressed be glad that God showed you be glad that he's shown you through his word and then now by faith take the step and begin to look at this passage in Romans chapter 8 And we, we read it in Galatians and Colossians as well that spoke about walking after the spirit rather than the flesh it's all through the New Testament that is the Christian life the spiritual life is the Christian life The carnal life is the make-believe one. It's the powerless one. So may God help us. I don't know where you are tonight. Well, I know you're here, but I mean spiritually speaking. I don't know where you are. But if there's something there that needs to be dealt with, and right where you sit, start talking to God. Start talking to the Spirit of God and ask Him to lead you and guide. It's not some mystical, strange thing. He's God. He's given us His Word. He will guide us. He lives inside of us. I'm excited about what God can do if we would get out of carnality and into spirituality. I need it myself. I need it myself. All of us do. Let's pray together and then we'll sing our final hymn. Father, We thank thee for this book, thy word, that shows us and reveals to us some of our problems. And Lord, forgive us for acting like we don't have any. Forgive us for not recognizing. And we pray, Lord, show us even now, show us our own carnality and show us how to make that move from walking after the flesh to walking after the spirit from being carnally minded to being spiritually minded. Show us, Lord. Forgive us of our unbelief and take it away. Instead, fill us with faith that we might trust thee that it is entirely possible to live a life, a spiritual life that brings honor and glory to thee. Help us, we pray. We thank thee, Lord, for the Holy Spirit who's come to live inside of us and to guide us and to comfort us. Forgive us for quenching him. Holy Spirit, we pray, forgive us for, for quenching thee and, and not following thy leading. We ask of thee, forgive us and guide us as a church, as families, as individuals. Lead us, we pray. We ask, Father, that we would be those who are filled with the Spirit of God rather than ignoring, quenching, and grieving the precious Spirit of God. Help us with these things, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.